If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. At our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep miles to travel before I sleep. Welcome to All Things Crime. Karen, welcome to All Things Crime. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I love having uh, DNA experts on All Things Crime because Tell you what, uh, DNA is so important in criminal investigations nowadays that we just can't get enough expertise. So having Karen Crenshaw from uh, Broward County Sheriff's Office on our show today. So Karen, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background first and then kind of how you ended up where you are. Okay. Um, Well, thank you so much again for having me on the show. My name is Karen Crenshaw. I am the DNA unit manager at the Broward County Sheriff's Office currently. I'm also a PhD student at Florida International University, um, finishing up um, my thesis for my PhD research. Where I came from, well, I grew up in Massachusetts and um, moved to Florida to come to college and ended up uh, teaching at a Catholic high school for about six years. Um, I then taught this girl whose mother was the supervisor of the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office crime lab in their um, DNA unit. So um, I got to know her and eventually there was an opening and she said, hey, your teaching background would be great because the science isn't super hard to learn, but being able to explain what you do in a scientific way to a jury is really important because if you can't explain it to where they understand it, then they won't be able to render their judgment. Wow, how true is that? Yeah. So let's um, let's have you do that. Actually, let's you know if you were going to explain DNA, just the basics of DNA to a jury, how would you do it? Well, we start by telling people that the DNA that's in our cells, it's in all of our cells, and it creates who we are. Everything about us, how we are, color of our hair, skin color those kind of things. And we get half of our DNA from our mother and half from our father. So we use these DNA molecules to make comparisons in forensic science um, when DNA is left behind at a crime scene. For example, we can compare it to standards of known individuals and see if the profiles match. So when we talk about like, especially statistics, how differentiating can DNA become? Well, highly differentiating. I mean, up to, I've heard like one in quadrillion or something like that? The statistics are very high because the more areas you're testing on the DNA, the more 
rare it would be that someone else would have those exact same areas, exactly identical numbers everywhere. Nice. You kind of had a teaching background, but you also had a lot of science in your background? Yes. Research. I was doing, I have a master's degree in biology that I got in FAU, where I worked on some yeast cells and how they're affected by electromagnetic fields. So research has always been something I enjoy and I love. And um, when I had the opportunity later in life, after my kids are grown and left the house, that maybe I could go back to school and work on a PhD. Um, I thought that would be a good opportunity for me. So I left and I went down to FIU in Miami and working with um, Dr. McCord there in his lab. I've been doing lots of research down there until uh, the position at the Broward Sheriff's Office opened. And I thought that would be a good opportunity for me to make a difference again. Awesome. So what other labs have you worked in? So I worked for 12 years at the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. After leaving there, I went to Bodie Technology Group and they're up in Virginia. They're a private DNA lab, probably one of the largest in the country. I was their technical leader uh, for about three years. And then I, I left Virginia to come back to Miami to get my PhD. And awesome. Now I'm at our Sheriff's Office. <laughs> So if you were to tell somebody who just was looking at the forensic science, especially the DNA side of, of crime labs and things, what would you recommend to them? The field has changed a lot since the day that I started, and it, it's been, become really competitive. Um, I, I feel like the best way is to intern. So when you're in a forensic program, and to choose a forensic program that's good, um, there are several good programs and more and more um, universities are starting programs in forensic science. But to definitely go into a lab where you can see all the fields of forensic science, there's a lot, you know, DNA, firearm, latent print, there's so many chemistry. So they can look at each one and see which one they enjoy the most. And when you intern, you also, the people that work there get to know you, get to know your work ethic, what kind of person you are and what kind of worker you are. Then when jobs do come open and positions come open, they'll look to you first. And it's the best way of getting hired, I believe. Yeah, that's smart. When I was first getting started, my dad basically said, find out a, a good company and someone in particular that you really want to work for and just go volunteer say you know I, even if i have to work for free right uh, i i want to learn from you and business owners especially get are impressed with that and nowadays especially that's just so rare that people are willing to just put themselves out there and say look in order to develop expertise I'm more than willing to work for, work for you for free. And the interesting thing is compared to college, you know, to, you, you pay a university to go learn from them. And a lot of times you can, you can learn a lot of the same things from a, some kind of an employer just for free. So it's a, it's an interesting world, but I 100% agree with you that interning and letting people get to know you and performing for them when they're not really paying you a ton. That's, that's really smart. And I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I, we've hired a lot of interns and it's always been a great, they've always enjoyed the experience and I enjoy having them. They help us accomplish projects that normally we wouldn't be able to accomplish. And they also win in the situation by getting to learn the field and the science behind it. Right, so then you don't have to retrain them if you do hire them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
which is huge as well. And I know training new employees is such a drain. I mean, it's, you, you want them to, to learn your processes and learn how you do things, but, but only having to train them once, you know, if you can get an intern in there, that's really good, then it's pretty, pretty cheap way to find out if this person is going to meld in with your, the philosophy of your lab and, or, or your business at the same time. And so, yeah, I love it. So you guys had some really exciting news recently. I know you guys did some research there at Broward County and especially with detective Chris Williams. So I was hoping you could, I, I know you shared it at Ishi and, and getting DNA off of shell casings. So can you share that with us? Sure. So we were looking into, it's always been a problem in forensic science. Some of it's just innate in, in the actual thing we're trying to do because we're trying to get whatever cellular material is left behind on a bullet or casing that is left at a crime scene. And we're trying to get a profile from that. So it's usually not a lot. If you think about how long you actually have to hold the bullet to put it into the chamber or put it into a magazine, it's not a lot. It's very short amount of time. You may not leave a lot of cells behind. And it's also been known some people do shed more DNA than others. But then there's the firing process. And so for a long time, people thought that that's where the problem was, the heat uh, from the actual bullet fire being fired from the gun destroys the DNA. Because our experience was when we swabbed those casings, we just didn't get a profile. And it got to the point where I'd say a majority of laboratories out there were just routinely saying, we are not going to process any vent casing because we just don't, weren't getting any success with it. There were several people looking into um, how we could improve that. Lots of groups, I mean, really around the whole world, people in Hong Kong and um, New Zealand, I mean, you everywhere around the world, people are trying to help with this process and make and figure out what. Um, I did a lot of literature research and um, it seemed that it was pretty consistent among the studies that when you looked at the data, the firing process was not as much of a problem. And, and mostly they're thinking that it was the metals on the bullets that are causing inhibition. And that's where it's preventing the DNA from being copied. This inhibition um, just was a problem with because of all these metals. So I started to think, okay, let's try to figure out a way we could maybe change the buffers we're using to see if we could remove those metal inhibitors. And so we started out in the DNA side of things. Once we get the casing from the crime scene, trying to soak it in different buffers that might have additional chemicals that will help remove these metals. That didn't seem to be working too well. Um, I did was collaborating because Chris Williams from our crime scene unit was very familiar with using the MVAC. And, you know, he was always telling us like, oh, it's so great. You know, it's going to give you great profiles. And so, you know, we did some studies early on and it really wasn't much different. Soaking them and then putting them through the filter was fairly equivalent to the, the other method. But we started thinking that what if we did some other changes? So we worked together and came up with the idea, like he said, there was this pre-filter. So he said, okay, well, let's use the pre-filter. So we were soaking the bullets and then putting them through the pre-filter and then the MVAC filter. And that seemed to work better. So we were encouraged by that. But we were like, well, it's still very low. Is there any way we could 
further remove these, these metal ions. So we, we came up with the idea of how about, because we I was talking to one of the other analysts and we were like, you know, we used to use Kelex to do extractions and Kelex is uh, a bead that will remove metals. So we said, well, let's see if we can add the Kelex bead to the buffer and then shake it, then pour it through the, fil- the pre-filter, then the filter. So we started doing that and saw a much increased um, yield. So it gave us so much better results that we were very encouraged by that. So we started doing further studies on that and we kind of perfected that whole system, but we are still looking into other further enhancements that we can do. So it's very exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Reading your protocol uh, and, it, and what you published at Ishi, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of agencies that are really excited about that data. Yes, I think so. We've, well, we've gotten a lot of requests for us to release the protocol and we're happy to share anything with people. Oh, and I will mention another important thing. So one of the things we found that also correlated with the study that was done at the ATF was that when we're collecting the casings from the Times crime scene, a lot of times people would just collect them the way we normally did them in paper envelopes. But what happened, we saw that paper envelopes were actually rubbing off the cells just while it's sitting in the paper envelope. So what we decided to do was to change it to where they're collecting them in something different. Now, we just came up with something else. It's, it doesn't have to be. We, we use glassine envelopes, which are the, they're like a pressed paper, almost like a waxy paper. You use it for stamp collecting. So that's what we decided to use. And it certainly improved it. Now the ATF went even a step further and they're using 3D printers to print the plastic cartridge holder that's circle and it has like a post in it and it holds the casing so that nothing touches it. Ideally, you know, that's the point is when you collect the casing, you don't want it to touch anything else because whatever cells are on there um, could come off and then you wouldn't be able to get a profile. So that's um, another important factor is to not collect those, the casings in paper and blood. Right. Well, it's amazing how critical that collection process is at the very beginning. And if we, we've talked with a number of crime scene investigators on the show and along with just being around for a number of years, uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing how good a, a case can be or how poor a, a case can be based on those crime scene investigators and how the evidence is collected up front. Because if they don't give good evidence to you guys, then it doesn't really matter how good the processes are. You know, you can't, you can't do any, it's a garbage in garbage out type of thing. So you guys work, work magic with a lot of evidence that's really old and degraded and all sorts of things, but still there's, there's critical points in every bit of the process. And that's one of the things that, that we're really trying to explore and, and expose here with the show is just getting, helping the audience understand the entire process and it's amazing how little I think people understand the DNA process and how, you know, the way you explained it at the beginning, it was, you've got the helix and, and part of it's from your mom and part of it's from your dad and all that stuff and, and kind of 
boil it down to just the basics. But when you really look at it, all of the the steps and the and the the research that's gone into the machinery and all of that kind of stuff, it's it's really amazing how what intricate the process is now. Well, and it keeps evolving, and that's kind of one of the things I love so much about DNA versus some of the other forensic sciences. But DNA is so evolving; you're constantly making new kits and new chemistries and new instruments and trying to improve and tweak on things so that we can get the most information to help solve crimes. So it's, it's fascinating. And it's, it's like, you're constantly learning. You have to love learning if you're going to be in DNA. It's interesting. I I've talked to some of the, the folks, the crime lab folks that have been around for, you know, more than a couple of decades. And especially when they, when they talk about when DNA first came on the scene, like in the early nineties, you basically had to have a blood spot the size of a silver dollar in order to uh, to develop any kind of information from it. And now it's like, it's not just the head of a pin, but the point of a pin. So the amount of DNA that material that you actually need to produce good information is just phenomenal. So, well, Karen, I appreciate you coming on. And, you know, the beautiful thing about these, these type of interviews is we can always do more. And like you said, as as the science is evolving, we can definitely have you on again. And, and if there's something new, we would love to hear it from you. So okay, uh, uh, I will be posting your a, a link to the Ishii study that you released, if that's okay. And if there's any other information that you want, you want me to, to attach to it, then more than happy to do that. But can't tell you how much I, I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. I really appreciate it as well. And I look forward to having more Um, new stuff as well in the future. So hopefully we can keep improving things. That's the goal. Absolutely. Okay. You enjoy your South Florida weather down there. Thank you. Yes. We're approaching winter. So it's getting to be really beautiful now. So I'm happy. Yeah. Well, I'm jealous. So it's, uh, we're we're just trying to avoid the frost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a happy Thanksgiving. You too. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime day.